Hello from ABA Annual Meeting 2017 in New York City. I'm Lawrence Coletti. And I'm Sherry Cushman. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. This is our last interview of the day, actually, in our continuing coverage of ABA annual meeting here. We're in uh, Midtown Manhattan, still at the Hilton. We're in the middle of a reception, so I'm sure it's pretty loud. Uh, hopefully our audio engineers can clean that up. I'm sure they can. They're very talented. And so I have with me Sherry Cushman. She has uh, agreed to stay a little bit longer than normal to join us, and she is uh, sort of fresh off a presentation. How are you doing, Sherry? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Excellent. So I uh, you know, before we get into our discussion here, so you presented at an event called Bright Insight, Key Business Drivers and Trends Affecting Real Estate. There's a lot there. There's a, You had a report. There's a lot to unpack here. But first, before we get to that, let's get your bio. Where do you work? What do you do? Sure. Uh, I'm in Washington, D.C., although I travel around the country and globe uh, as the leader of the legal sector advisory group for Cushman and Wakefield. We have 350 brokers worldwide that are part of our group, and uh, my goal as the leader is to bring intellectual capital uh, to the legal sector and really distinguish ourselves amongst our competition with information. And so the Bright Insights piece that you referenced is that piece of information. Okay, so my understanding is Bright Insights is from a survey that you distributed that was responded by law firms of various sizes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that survey and who's represented in it? Sure. Uh, this is our fourth year of completing the survey, and what really transpired it is was a need for having attorneys gather information that could really help affect change. So we spent the last four years gathering this information based upon three key areas, the business side of law, the financial side of law, and the operational side and how it's affecting real estate decision making. So it's really a lot about uh, gathering statistics that help law firms guide them through this process with real estate being their number one fixed expense other than salaries. The decisions today on how they make these long-term financial decisions are very different than how they used to be. So first in expenses is obviously your people and yep. second is plant. So your real estate yes. uh, where you operate. Yep. And technology is third. Technology so, is third. And, and it's the longest and most significant financial decision because in most cases it requires a lot of out-of-pocket capital to either renovate or relocate your space. So it's a big financial decision for them, uh, not only in the short term, but in the long term. Okay, so you and I did a little pregame before this interview because there's a yep. lot to unpack here. And I think I want to set this up so that there's some instant takeaways for the mm -hmm. listeners. And so we're, we're doing, the, uh, Sherry, we're doing these podcasts for the benefit of people that could not make it to ABA annual meeting or did not see your presentation, mm -hmm. but to give them some instant takeaways that they can plug into their firms or just the, kind of their frame of thinking as, as they run their practice. So you took a business model emphasis approach to your presentation. Mm -hmm. So where do you want to start? Well, I think fundamentally the, the practice of law has changed dramatically. Uh, if, you, if you stepped away for 20 years and came back today and said, how is the legal sector doing? What is driving it uh, is dramatic change. And it's change that's happening much more quickly than it ever has before. So I hear from leaders of firms all around the globe saying what used to take eight to 10 years to change is happening in two to four years. And the, the, some of the key influences are Number one, um, the millennial movement. 50% uh, of the law lawyers practicing law in the United States today are baby boomers. By 2025, 50% will be millennials. So when you're making these business decisions, you've got to really make them for 
the younger generation, and yet the partners are the ones who lead. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, succession planning is a big issue for the legal sector too, and yet statistically only about 15% of the firms that, that participated in our survey um, actually have real succession planning. So when you're looking at what the younger generation is looking for to come to your firm and to stay at your firm, it's really important that they have some of these elements as part of their consideration. And I think firms now are realizing that it is affecting their competitive marketplace. Because the three key issues related to business competition is first, competitive fee structures. The second is recruiting and retention. And the third is IT security. Okay. So if you look at these three, they drive a lot of other decisions that maybe in the past they didn't drive. Well, let's, uh, before we get into those uh, three uh, business competition elements there, uh, let's talk about the succession planning, because I got a great takeaway during our pregame. And so I asked you a little bit about you know the, the results coming from the survey, and I'm sure you did some cross-tabulation in there when, when you received your information. But I was a little surprised that of the firms that did not have succession planning, the larger ones didn't. That, I expected them to have that, but you said they don't. And, yeah. and why is that? Well, when you have partners that have to vote on a significant decision like this and you have a diversity of feelings um, and ages and maybe some very strong opinions about not feeling like there should be a mandated retirement age and a succession plan in place, uh, law firms still are run uh, by consensus and through the people that produce. Uh, unlike corporate America, where when a decision is made for the best interest of the corporation, it is made, it is mandated, and it's not out for public vote. So I think the fundamental model of the legal sector is shifting more towards a business model and what's in the best interest for what I'll call the we versus the me. And uh, I think you'll see with, with restructures coming forward that 44% of our respondents said that in the next 10 years, their firm will be completely reorganized. And I think that's not just reorganizing the business model, it's reorganizing in some ways the culture. Okay, so let's get into the first of those uh, competitive factors there. So the first that you have up there was compensation fee structure. And we hear a lot about this, you know, that there's definitely some, some upward pressure to change the way the billable hour works uh, coming from the clients. So what, what were uh, some of the findings you were coming across? Well, the fee structures are by far, you know, the biggest issue and will continue to be the biggest issue. There really isn't a solution to it. I think that really streamlining services, um, working better together in a more collaborative environment, but quite frankly, producing more revenue. So there's a huge stress and relook at how profits are being distributed based upon business development success. And uh, the challenge with that is getting the senior partners to really look at business development with a new light, maybe get some new training, and getting out of their comfort zone a little bit because generating new revenue is a challenge. And in order to keep the profits up, you have to keep generating new revenue. Okay, so in terms, I'm just gonna cast a spectrum of firms. So across small to medium-sized to large-sized firms, where do you predict the fee structure is going to go for each? Is it going to be the same or is it going to be a little bit oh, of... I think uh, they'll be continue to be competitive. Okay. And I think that when we did our 10-year projections, we said, what do you anticipate the number one issue to be moving forward? 78% said, number one, the continuation of competitive fee structures. You know, and your question before about the big firms versus the small firms, the small firms are a lot more nimble. 
So if they have fewer people, they may have stronger individual opinions, but they have the ability to affect change more quickly if they choose to and if they can get out of their own way. When you have a very large firm and you have lots and lots of partners, maybe in multiple locations with a lot of different views, it's a lot harder to affect change more quickly. So I kind of like to use the analogy of the big firms are like tankers moving through the ocean. And when they say, oh, we've got to shift direction, it doesn't happen instantaneously. It might take 15 minutes to make a turn, whereby the boutique firms, the small firms, are more like jet skis. You know, they have the ability to be able to be cruising and saying, oh, this isn't working, let's change our direction, and all it is is change of a hand. And then they turn. So I think firms that are able to be nimble have the greatest opportunity to affect change. But that doesn't say that big firms can't. Historically, it's just been a lot more difficult for them. Okay. Retention. So we, uh, the, your report covers uh, retention elements. And so I found uh, this part, and we'll get into this uh, part on page 18. It was my one of my favorite graphics that you had that really laid out the reasons for retaining. But let's talk about retention. Uh, firms are having difficulties in retaining talent. Yeah. Well, young associates, statistically, it takes four years to break even on the investment of an associate. Yet when they leave, they typically leave under two years. So the key to really retaining and recruiting the young talent or lateral talent is making sure you clearly understand what are their personal goals and objectives. And if you see in the piece, we prioritize you know, what is most important to you. And other than money being important, what is most important, particularly the younger generation, is work-life balance, is mentorship, is collaboration, is feeling like they have a little bit of skin in the game. So I think the firms that are doing really well at not only recruiting, but also keeping their people are making decisions based upon making sure those things are fulfilled. Because if they fulfill those things, maybe they won't leave after two years. Maybe they will be the future partners of the firm. But it may require the older generation to make some adjustments that are uncomfortable. Okay. And that's always that balance. That's interesting. It's interesting. And, uh, you know, I definitely you know when you're when you're saying that about the most important thing, especially to the young associates and people coming up, the new attorneys. You know, it's interesting when you, when you average it out in your report here on page 18, you know, there's obviously quite a shift in thinking here because I'm looking at the uh, your number one reason that somebody wants to work at a firm is reputation of the firm, okay. you know, across the average. And then number two, you know, close uh, areas of practice. And then three, compensation. Now that is staggering to me that compensation isn't number one, but I guess, you know, things are beginning to change. Well, that, that chart is interesting because the tall line represents why they came to the firm. Oh, okay. I got so you. why they originally came to the firm was because of the reputation and the opportunities and the money. Oh, I but see. But I think a lot of that has to do with that the young associates aren't in the industry yet. So they're reading periodicals, they're reading AM100 lists, they're looking at those types of things. So they go in thinking that that's why I came. But if you look at why they stayed, the line next to each of the reputation of the firm, one and two, actually dropped. And what went up is the collaboration, the opportunities, and those types of things. So I think if firms were able to almost do their own confidential survey with their associates, why did you come here and why did you stay? They might be really enlightened as to what's really driving them to stay and maybe they should do more of that. 
Okay. And one interesting element that came out of our pregame on this was I, I made a comment about the firm's space amenities is yeah. like basically playing no factor right. in uh, not only recruiting but, uh, right. but retention. And you said that's going to change. And so I do think it's going to. You're arguing with your own study, but give us the reasons why yeah. you think that's going to change. Well, I think the obvious ones are are the first that you mentioned, you know, the, the reputation of the firm, the money, et cetera. So many law firms still, even though a lot of law firms are moving and renovating, haven't created a workplace yet um, that is so inviting and so what the younger generation is looking for that may not be a big factor yet. But I think as the evolution of law and as the evolution of workplace and as the evolution of when people are relocating or renovating changes and, and the envelope is pushed much further, I absolutely think that that will be a bigger consideration. Um, now remember, most law firms sign 10 to 15 year leases. Then they typically renew them five, 10, 15 more years. So there's a massive amount of real estate out in markets around the country that the law firms have been in their space for 25, 30 years. So the question then is when they move or renovate, are they doing something really different? Some are, some aren't, but I do think in the coming years, you're gonna to start to see that question rise or that percentage rise. Fascinating, fascinating. So this is also very interesting. Uh, top three business competition factors that law firms are uh, talking about. Uh, in your survey, the number third spot went to IT security. Yes. So let's explain that. Well, IT security, there, I can't give a presentation anywhere in the world that I don't say our client demands for IT security affecting your firm and everybody raises their hand. And you know, IT security and the ability to, to keep someone's intellectual property confidential, whether you're in the middle of negotiating a merger for them or representing something regarding their bankruptcy or whatever it may be, um, it will continue to grow uh, with technology, with hackers, with the ability to be able to get to people's information. So we anticipate that it is going to, that portion is going to continue to be demands. The investment in technology and that IT security is going to continue to grow. And like a lot of other industries, salaries are number one, technology is number two, real estate's number three. Uh, we would not be the least bit surprised in the next decade if in the legal sector technology became the number two expense. So my lawyer side winces, but my consumer side celebrates uh, market choice there. <laughs> so I got two last questions for you. Uh, the second to last is, you know, for the benefit of people that are listening to this that were not able to attend ABA mid-year and see your presentation, what's a, like the number one takeaway from your presentation you'd like to leave with them? Uh, that the world is changing, that the legal sector changing, and I close with strong leadership will affect change more quickly and weak leadership will slow it down. Um, we are moving at such a fast pace and I think that particularly first quarter 2017, we saw a huge amount of mergers occur and a lot, a lot from across the pond. So you're seeing a globalization of law, that is changing the pace and the competitive marketplace of law like we've never seen. So I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, keep your eyes open, realize that these things are changing. There isn't a new normal. We're not going back to the way things were. And are you prepared to be able to affect change? Well, last question for you, if our listeners want to follow up with some sure. questions based on what they hear today, how can they reach you? Sure. Well, again, my name is Sherry Cushman, and I'm in the Washington, D.C. office of Cushman and Wakefield. And you are more than welcome to reach out to me through our office, which 
I don't have the number off the top of my head, but you can also email me at sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y dot Cushman at cushwake.com. Or Lawrence will be happy to give you how you can reach me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that (laughs) shout out, Sherry. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you also for joining us. So we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. Obviously, I want to thank Sherry for joining us one more time and also our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please follow us and rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.